brings us all together for a night we'll all remember the kind of times we want to last forever an unforgettable experience moments spent with all our friends gathering around the dinner table what's up everyone welcome back to lobster and beer i'm your host brian thompson today's guest is a decorated entrepreneur branding guru and music mogul with over 25 years of experience in the entertainment industry. He has held leadership positions at Island Records, Palm Pictures, Live Nation, Parkwood Entertainment, Def Jam Recordings, and Universal Music Group. He played an integral role in breaking artists such as Alicia Cara and Logic, one of my favorites, and even managed the pop icon Beyonce. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to us live from New York with a lobster and a root beer, Ooh. Basil Durrani! Jeez, that was good, guys. I got I got to take you on the road with me. <laughs> I'm down, man. I'd love it. As long yeah. as we don't uh, we don't play too much golf against each other, I think we'll, we'll, we won't be fighting on the road. There you go. I like that. That's okay. Yeah. We'll play oh. for dollars. Yes, exactly, exactly. How do you like this root beer, man? The uh, the Eli's. The 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 Eli's is really good. I got to be honest with you. It's it's a fantastic root beer. It's got. I'm not necessarily a root beer guy myself, but yeah. this actually does have a nice it, taste to it. It does. It it almost feels like. Although I checked the ingredients, it almost feels like it's got a little uh, extra ginger or something in it that gives it a really nice taste. Yeah, truly yeah. does. Yeah, and so man, I want to jump into it. We. Uh, we ask every guest to add a special ingredient to the lobster roll. Tell me yes. about what you decided to uh, to put on the lobster roll today. So on uh, my lobster roll, I am a um, huge fan of Dave's Insanity hot sauce. He had to, he had to do that. To I'm us. already sweating. Yeah. yeah. And I like to mix it with some ranch, mayo, fresh parsley, lemon and dave's insanity hot sauce and it makes this absolutely incredible sauce that that is delicious so i can't wait to try it on my lobster roll yeah i'm i'm excited too i, I gotta be honest i think the guys just to watch my reaction and mess with me added a little too much dave's insanity they did yeah so if i have we'll to see. walk off set for a minute Alec <laughs> might take the helm i'm a little nervous about it but. Let, let me see the color i can always tell you by the color oh no you're fine you're fine that's what he says that's what he says how's it taste man alex already in it uh, i really in. like it let's try it out i think again with the uh ranch and the mayo mm -hmm. does he but i am starting to sweat already a little bit so mm. you know mm. I think it really goes well, well though. Oh, lobster is really good. Mm. Oh, the lobster is fantastic. That's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's not bad. I like it. I um, I, I think I just inhaled some of the the insanity <coughs> and uh -huh. the, the back of my throat right now. It's definitely. <laughs> Alex already, you probably can't see it on camera. Alex already sweating next to me. He's sweating? Yeah. I, and I he's, made it pretty much, so I did it to myself. So. Yeah. He's, he's into the root beer already. He is, exactly. It's already almost gone, unfortunately. So <laughs> It's tasty, man. 
Well, Faisal, man, I um, like I said, I'm I'm so grateful to to have you on the show today. Um, you uh, you've you've been in the music industry for over 25 years, and I have more questions that I'm probably going to be able to ask today. But I'd love to just start with going back to when you were younger. What 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 was what did you have a dream to work in the music industry, or did that happen? you know, just randomly as you were, you know, going through school? Like, tell me, tell me about that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, um, uh, I finished my undergraduate degree and I was on my way to law school and I finished writing my LSATs and I asked my dad if I could have a, um, um, deferral for a year. Um, I had met some friends uh, in college who were from Singapore. And uh, I asked him if I could go travel uh, through Southeast Asia um, yeah. and defer my uh, entrance into law school. Um, <clears throat> he begrudgingly agreed. <clears throat> and um, I went off to Southeast Asia and was having a great time with my friends. Um, Singapore is an incredible country where we spent a lot of time. And um, I called him three months later to tell him I was out of money. <laughs> and um, if I could get some more money, um, he, of course, said no. Yeah. Um, you can now come home. So I came home and uh, I had no money. And he said to me, you know, before you have uh, uh, seven months left before you go to law school, um, <clears throat> I don't care what you do, but you got to go work. Yeah. And I remember I was at a uh, my friend's house uh, that night, and we were sitting around playing cards. And um, I told him about the conversation my father had had. And as it happens, his older brother was the um, supervisor at the um, um, warehouse for a record company called A and M Records. Okay, which was literally a fifteen minute bike ride from where I lived. And he yeah. said, Hey, if you want a job for a few months, come by the warehouse, I'll give you a job picking orders. Uh, I had no idea what a record company did. I'd never had a desire or a passion to want to work in the music business. I um, wanted to be an attorney and I wanted to litigate. Was your, was your father an attorney too? Is that where the inspiration for that came from? No, my father was um, in the airline business. <clears throat> so I was born in Pakistan and um, he moved to Canada uh, when I was 10 years old to open up uh, Pakistan International Airlines in Canada. Oh, wow. Um, but I always have enjoyed the, the, the I've always enjoyed competition. <laughs> and um, the only thing, uh, profession I could think of um you know, that would allow me the, the, the thrill of competition on a daily basis uh, with a true, uh, you know, you either win or you lose was to be a litigator. Yeah. And um, that's, that, that was what was really driving me towards uh, wanting to go into law. Wow. And, and, that, was, and that was it. I, I, I took a job in the warehouse. I got a promotion um, uh, two months later to the mailroom. And uh, <clears throat> I took the job because I thought it'd be nice to go through the office and say hi to all the girls. <laughs> and I took the job delivering mail and I 
ended up befriending um, the president of the company. Quite frankly, he had the cutest um, um, uh, assistant. And um, <laughs> I was spending a lot of time at her desk. And um, I ended up befriending him. And he turned out to be uh, really my second father and my real mentor. Wow. Uh, and he was the one, uh, his name was Joe Summers, um, who truly convinced me that I should uh, take a run at, uh, at, at, at the music business. Wow. So indirectly, you were chasing a girl and you just happened to build this relationship with this guy. It was that you said A&M Records? Mm-hmm. A&M Records. And so during the time in the warehouse to the mailroom, you know, you said prior to working there, you didn't really know much about the music industry at all. Did you start to, you know, gain knowledge of how things worked while you were in those positions? Yeah, he, um, again, as I said to you, he mentored me. So he gave me uh, six different jobs um, over six years. Um, His desire was for me to learn all facets of the label business. Yeah. And I learned everything from running records up to the DJs and the clubs to, uh, at that time, getting your videos played on, you know, the MTVs of the world and um, getting your records played on radio and getting your records in the stores um, and a price and position. And he really took me around and and, uh, gave me six jobs over six years to learn all the different facets of, of the business. And um, eventually made me the uh, head of marketing for um, A&M Island and Motown records in Canada. Oh, wow. So what, like what, what artists back then were you working with when you're in the marketing position? Um, You know, um, there, there was a time of consolidation. So um, at that time, you know, there were all these great independents in the world uh, built by Mavericks. Um, um, and a company called Polygram was buying them up. Um, so A&M Island and Motown uh, were one company in Canada. It had all been bought by the same entity. Um, and I had at that time the fortune of working with... Um, you know, great Island Records artists like uh, U2 and oh, wow. uh, great, great A&M Records um, artists like Brian Adams. Um, wow. And um, yeah, it was it was a it was a fabulous time uh, uh, to really learn the business and um, to really recognize uh, what it takes to be a great artist in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And so from. A and M. What at that point did you decide to put the the law school aside and continue to to work in the music business? And what happened? Where where did you go after A and M? Yeah. So I um, listen. I was having a fabulous time, um, and I was really learning the business. Out of all the jobs you did, the six that you did, I know you went into marketing. Was that your favorite year or job that you had, or did you like one specific thing more than the rest over the six years? You know, Alec, if you remember, you know, my, my, um, I had a thirst for competition. <laughs> and so, you know, marketing itself is not a daily competition. It's a long-term haul to uh, build brands. Uh, the one job that I really enjoyed uh, was radio because you were either going to win and get your records played on the radio yeah. or you weren't going to win and somebody else was going to get their records played on the radio. Oh, yeah. Um, so 
I, I would say for my competitive uh, DNA, you know, the radio gig was probably the best uh, that fit me. Uh, yeah. But for me to grow, uh, I had to learn how to take all the things I had learned from uh, radio and retail and everything else that we did and apply it against a greater vision uh, called marketing. Yeah. Was that radio gig? Was that you, you were trying to win over relationships with program directors to place the songs on their stations? That's exactly it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and every week, uh, radio stations uh, decide what is added to their playlist and what is dropped from their playlist. Yeah. And you're in competition with every other uh, record company uh, across, you know, hundreds of radio stations to get your records added um, and to not get them dropped. Yeah, of course. Um, and yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's a it's a great competitive uh, marketplace. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure you felt this weight on your shoulders because you were representing these artists, and you know, obviously, they need to deliver a great song. But then it was in your hands to to get the songs on the radio and to get you know as many plays as you can a week. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny now that you say that. Um, you think about it, and you say yes. Uh, that 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 is um, a weight that you carry of you know these artists that make a, a great art and really then pass it on to you to say now please make it successful yeah um, and that is a large responsibility um, at the time you're doing it you don't really think about it you know I'm sure it's like I'm uh, you know when Michael was playing, I, I don't know if he really was thinking about six rings and, you know, what it all meant and how he was going to go down as the goat. And you just, you're playing the game and you're just playing the game to win. And at that time, that's all it was, was you were living on a week to week basis, um, trying to win that week. Yeah. I got to imagine being in an argument with you is unwinnable. Essentially. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually, actually, I can attest to that. I've been there. I made the mistake of uh, playing golf with Faisal. And first, you know, the front nine, I was talking the whole time and he was quiet. He was, he was very kind with me until the score just started to take a turn. And now it's just been these subtle every time. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a um, drives my wife crazy. But um, um, yeah, you know, um, debating um, uh, is is definitely something I very much enjoy. So um, I, I like it. Is there such thing as like a peaceful trip to the bowling alley with you and your wife? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Listen, you also learn. Um, you know, that you have to uh, separate church and state. Very true. And um, wise words what, right yeah. there. <laughs> what, what you do at work and who you are uh, in the office is uh, has no relevance uh, when you come home. Um, and that's not who you are uh, when you come home. And I have to be a, a great husband and I have to be a, a great brother and a great son and a great father. And um, all those things, and none of those uh, people care about what I do for a living or what my title is when I go to work. Yeah, I love that. So, you you worked those six positions at A and M, and then did you feel like you kind of reached your your peak performance there, and it was time to move on? And where did you end up going after A and M? 
So as I was the um, head of marketing, oh, I just caught a bite of that Dave's and Sand yesterday. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. I've been trying to keep Whoa. it cool. My hands are sweating. <laughs> um, I was at a, um, a corporate um, international marketing conference with uh, 42 other heads of marketing uh, of companies uh, from around the world. And um, it was a three-day conference. And at the end of the conference, you had to make a presentation to the uh, number one person worldwide for the company, who was a gentleman named David Munns. And um, I, um, when I did my presentation, he uh, pulled me aside and said, you know, I think that you're, um, I think you're wasting your time living in Canada and uh, focusing on the 4% of the um, uh, business. And uh, I want you to move to New York and learn the other 96% of the business. Oh, wow. And so what did that move entail? Um, he wanted me to learn uh, the global marketplace. Uh, so I was literally transferred um, a few weeks later to New York um, by uh, Polygram Records um, and given a job in um, the International Marketing Division, um, which is really about taking uh, artists that are signed in America and um, figuring out how to market and exploit them overseas. Okay. Has the international marketplace, uh, you being born internationally, wanting to obviously spend time abroad before you worked and stuff, I'm assuming the international marketplace has been a really big focus for you personally? Um, I think that's fair. Um, I think I've had the fortune, uh, obviously, of not being born in this country, uh, seeing things, uh, understanding that the world is a very big place. and. Um, that that you know um other cultures um have great value and significance and um i'm completely fascinated by not so much this country but really uh, us together as one one people uh, uh, across the entire globe and I so uh, I, I i did very well uh, much enjoy that position um, I enjoyed learning about other cultures. I enjoyed learning about the nuances of how to uh, break a record in France versus trying to break a record in England, trying to break a record in Japan um, versus trying to break a record in America. Um, yeah. Um, they, they, they all have their nuances and culture is certainly a big part of it that I have a great respect for. During that time, what was your some some of your favorite music that you were listening to that you grew up to as well? Well, you know, during that time, uh, one of the things that happened was uh, Polygram bought fifty um, percent uh, of a company called Def Jam Recordings. Yeah, and um, you know, this was really only twelve or thirteen years after Def Jam was created. Oh wow! And um, in in the mid to late nineties. Um, hip hop and its culture was starting to take over America. Yeah. Um, and, but we didn't believe it. You know, uh, America was still hoping it was a fad. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. that it would go away. Yeah. And the rest of the world couldn't understand it at all. And really was hoping it would go away. Oh, yeah. And, um, 
I I learned to really love and respect um, what hip hop uh, uh, really meant, uh, the art of it, uh, what the culture meant, um, and how important a, a movement it really was, not a genre of music, but really a movement it was um, uh, for, uh, you know, Black America and its influence, not only in America, but the rest of the world uh, when it came to the art. Um, Absolutely. So I, I really, at that time and still today, um, am a am a big hip hop head and um, uh, love the art of it. I love that. Who are, who are some of your favorite hip hop artists? Well, I've had the uh, fortune of uh, working with uh, Jay Z for a very long time. Wow. Um, what was that like? I, he's he's a very special uh, uh, person. Um, yeah. he, he, uh, he's one of the very few uh, people I've met in my life whose uh, left side of the brain is running on 12 and his right side of the brain is running on 12. <laughs> and That's you know, how he's working. Yeah. Yeah. He, usually we find people who are uh, great creatively, uh, but might not be great at business. Or we find people who are great at business, but not, might not be great at creative. And he, um, he, he, both sides of his brain completely over deliver. That's and incredible. I, I've never, yeah. How'd you end up, how'd you start working with him? How did that come about? Well, Jay, as you know, was signed to Jay, Def Jam Records. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, uh, I was given the responsibility of marketing Def Jam and all of its artists uh, to the global marketplace. Um, so that's how I got to know him. I was uh, completely uh, intrigued, uh, fascinated by um, not only him as an artist, but really as a person. Yeah. Um, he's probably one of the greatest gentlemen I've ever met in my life. Wow. And um, I think one of the greatest artists I've ever met in my life and one of the greatest businessmen I've ever met in my life. Wow. That's a, those are strong words. That's right cheers there. to hope. Yeah, cheers to hope. Right <laughs> oh, and also cheers to Faisal. Thank yeah, you for joining us. Yeah, seriously, man. That's crazy. That, that, that blows my mind. What's up, guys? As always, thank you for listening, and I promise we'll get back to the episode right away, but I want to let you know about something special we're doing. Here at LMB, mental health is very important to us, so we've collaborated with today's guest to create a custom t-shirt based around subjects that we've talked about in this episode and other important topics in their lives. If you go to our website, lobsterandbeer.com, you can purchase the t-shirt, and 100% of the profits this month will go to a mental health organization. Now, Back to the episode. I obviously grew up listening to Jay-Z, um, one of my biggest inspirations in music. Um, and, and you're right, just to watch his not only trajectory as an artist, but as a businessman and, and just overall a mogul, I think is, is fair to say. Jay-Z is a at mogul. The, at the minimum, I think. Um, but, I mean, is it, do you have any particular stories from working with him that, uh, that you could share with us? That I mean, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan, so this, this to me right now... I'm, I'm glad we're eating lobster, drinking a beer, and, and hanging with you and talking about Jay-Z, because this is pretty mind-blowing right now. Listen, there's not a lot of stories I can share with you, um, uh, because, you know, what, what happens in the workplace stays in the workplace. True. Um, but I will tell you that he, uh, he has an incredible intuition to always know what's right. 
regardless of whether he's picking the beat or he's picking the design of his champagne bottle or he's picking the hoodie he's going to wear or he's going to pick the hotel he's going to stay at. Um, He just, you know, he's just, his intuition is always right. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you can ever really teach that to anybody. I think that's a gift. Um, And he has that gift. That's incredible. So did that, did that relationship with him lead into working uh, with Beyonce? Yeah, so when I left the label business, I went to join a company uh, at that time called Clear Channel Entertainment. Yeah. Um, And Clear Channel Entertainment um, is uh, the foundation of uh, the spinoff that became Live Nation. Yeah. And when Jay left, um, when Jay's contract was over at Live Nation, um uh, i was instrumental in signing him there uh and also in um not only signing him as an artist but signing him as an entrepreneur as sean carter um and uh, the first business uh we built together uh started together was rock nation oh wow so you were you guys started that together well i mean i was working at live nation yeah. So Live Nation and Jay-Z started that together, and that's why it's called Rock Nation. Um, and yeah, I sat on the board and, um, um, you know, uh, obviously I'm a big believer in him as an artist, but I'm also a big believer in him as an entrepreneur. So, um, yeah, I, I was very fortunate to um, uh, build a relationship with him and the rest of his team um, as they went out. Uh, not only did we uh, do all of his touring and and all the other things that Live Nation does with him, um, but you know uh, I was very fortunate to uh, work with him um, to start Rock Nation. Wow, that's incredible! And so then from Live Nation to Rock Nation, did where did you transition after that? From there, I left. Um, to um, go uh, run Parkwood Entertainment, which is Beyonce's management company. Yeah. Um, that I felt like I had uh, learned, um, you know, what I needed to learn in the label business and uh, learned what I needed to learn in the brand business and what I needed to learn in the live touring business. And um, uh, really, I wanted uh, uh, to find an outlet to apply all of those skill sets, because as you probably know, in the music business, if you work in the label business, you're not working in the live business. If you're working in the live business, you're not working in the label business. Yeah. If you're working in the merch business, you're not working in, you know, everybody has their lanes and, and you have to uh, you stay in your lanes to. Uh, run the business that part of the business vertical in the business that you run so um, I felt like I had learned enough that I wanted to apply it to management yeah and um, uh, had a great opportunity um, um, to go run Parkwood uh, uh, for Beyonce and uh, I left there to go and do that was there was there a moment for you before before you left for Parkwood was there a specific moment that you can recall that you realize that, okay, I feel like I've, I've 
I've gained the knowledge I, I can here and I've reached a certain level and it's time to shift. Because there's also, and, and you can speak on this, there's a leap of faith there as well too, right? Changing, changing avenues. Uh, there is a leap of faith and you have to believe in yourself and it all depends on who you are as a person. Um, you know, I've, I've always been a person not doing things for money, but doing things for knowledge. <laughs> I love that. And, and um, I, I didn't, I didn't really see, you know, there was nothing else for me to learn um, in, in, in the live touring business. I had uh, toured uh, the greatest artists, including Jay-Z around the world. Yeah. Um, and now it was more just, plug and play you know you 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 had your playbook and you ran plays yeah but it was difficult to write new plays into the playbook of course well and um, does that old playbook i mean you know when you first started out more or less especially now in this day and age is there are they similar or you know are they different yeah alec i i would say i mean you know the live business is Certainly it's progressed and it, it's had, I'm going to call it an evolution as opposed to a new playbook. Mm -hmm. um, it's having an evolution. Um, the evolution is, you know, and it's 10%, 15%. Um, and that's evolution for a business that's been around for a hundred years. Yeah. Um, but once you've kind of done it, you know, again, you, you know, it's a great business. Um, uh, if you want to stay in it and, and do it, you should do it. I, I, I used to, um, you know, Chris Blackwell, who's the founder and amazing maverick of Island Records. Uh, I was with him one day and he was um, uh, in Miami. He built an um, uh, incredible uh, hotel there called The Tides. Yeah. And... Um, I remember Chris telling me one day that he was going to sell the tides, which had not been open for that long, um, but was booming business on Ocean Drive. And I said to him, I don't understand. I, I, I've watched you put your heart and soul into building this property and making it so successful. Why, why would you sell it? Yeah. And he said, yeah, my, my work is done here. You know, now mm -hmm. they don't call me. Now they call me about, whether the bed sheets are um, uh, clean and the mini bars are full, um, that's not really what I do. Yeah, uh, my 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 work is done, and so I feel that way. That uh, for me, at some point, I feel like my work is done and it's time to move on and learn something else in life and uh, try and be uh, um, um, you know great at something else in life. I love that. So you went from. Def Jam to Parkwood. And then did you go back to Def Jam for a short stint? I did, yes. Um, I went back um, for another two and a half years um, um, with a gentleman named Steve Bartles, who was the CEO at the time. And um, the company had uh, just been split uh, between Def Jam and Ion Records. And uh, it was... Uh, a company that obviously um, has a great place in my heart and uh, is a big part of my history. And the thought of going back and 
and having a very prominent position inside of that company um, that I felt was on the verge of possibly going extinct. Yeah. Um, was was a uh, responsibility and a challenge that I couldn't resist. Um, although if you ever ask me to go into the label business again, I'll literally hang up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, can't cancel those questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one of my favorite parts that I want to touch on before we move on there is one of the best, what I who I believe is one of the best hip-hop artists in the past five to seven years is Logic. And he was starting at Def Jam around the time that you went back there. What was it like working with him? You know, how, what, in what capacity did you work with him? And, and yeah, I'm excited to hear about this. I mean, he was obviously one of the um, uh, 52 artists that were signed to Def Jam. Um, to be perfectly honest, um, I didn't know much about him as an artist uh, when I went there. Um, I met his manager, Chris Zeru, um, who was, you know, at that time, 23, 24 years old. Um, I, um, really found Chris to be quite fascinating. Um, and I thought that he had some great, um, um, you know, outlook on the business and how to build and, uh, what to do. And, um, you know, a lot of uh, veterans of the music business don't give 23 and 24 year olds um, uh, the respect that they deserve. Yeah. And um, I respected Chris. I respected Logic. Uh, they taught me a lot. Um, we helped each other. Um, they were open to my ideas. I was completely open to their ideas. And we went on a journey together. And um, it was very, uh, on Def Jam, um, in in all honesty, and why do you say uh, that? You know, he he had an audience that was not what people would consider the typical at that time hip hop heads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His his audience was white. Uh, it was young. And it was suburban, and they were all a little not the cool kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. It was B growing yeah. up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and he spoke to them, and you know, they he was a great inspiration for them. <clears throat> but that isn't the audience that we at Def Jam. We're used True. to taking the Jay-Z's and the Kanye West's and the Two Chains and the uh, Young Jeezy's of the world. That's not that's not what we did for a living. That wasn't yeah. the audience that we knew. And so for me, it was a great journey in, uh, um, into understanding who he was, um, really how he over-delivered to his audience, how he collected them one at a time. Um, and, and, um, I, I learned a lot from him and Chris and, and I think that, um, it was my openness as an executive to really learn from them, um, that allowed us to have a very healthy, uh, relationship and really 
you know, we, we all saw the fruits of, of, of what that could be. Yeah. That's beautiful. There was that, that moment you must've had that, you know, Def Jam had, you kind of reached uh, an ending point at Def Jam and you decided to transition out of the music industry. What, was there a certain moment that you had that realization or was that something that you thought about over time? No, really in the last, um, really in the last six to 12 months there, um, y- you know, you started to feel um, that uh, I wasn't right for them and they weren't right for me. Yeah. And that um, we were playing two very different games. And um, it just wasn't r- the right fit for me anymore. Um, spending my time uh, managing upwards wasn't really what I wanted to spend my time doing. And I enjoyed being with artists. I enjoyed supporting um, great young um, uh, entrepreneurs um, that came along. Um, and, you know, the, the idea of what was right for those artists versus what was right for corporate don't always line up. Yeah. And uh, that's okay. That's life. And, um, you know, you have to make a choice on which side to air and, uh, I wanted to err on the side of the artist. I love that. I have to ask before we move on to to what came after this. Was there any point during this journey that you your father ever confronted you about not going back to law school? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, you know, my father um, <clears throat> wanted me to go back to law school the whole time. He thought I was just in the sex, drugs, and rock and roll business. <laughs> um, he, um, you know, I come from a very traditional uh, South Asian Muslim family. Um, you know, kids are not brought up to go work with rock stars. Yeah. Um, and he wanted me to, um, like every other South Asian kid, uh, you know, be a doctor, be a lawyer, be a um, uh, something. And uh, yeah, he pushed me hard. Um, he came to visit me once in New York and we had a great heart to heart. He saw where I was living. <laughs> um, I literally had to show him my paycheck. He understood. <laughs> Here you go, dad. <laughs> and I had to show him my bank account to say, you know, this isn't me having fun. This is a real business. Um, and it's a business that I'm being successful at. Um, and I think when he, saw that he realized um, that I was going to be okay. Yeah. And, you know, it's a father. When you realize that your kid's going to be okay, um, then, then you, uh, you feel like that, that responsibility is, that you own uh, for your children, uh, you feel better about. So Absolutely. He definitely yeah. pushed me. Um, but we had a moment where he realized um, and it wasn't easy for him that this is a real business. It's a multi-billion dollar uh, business in the world and, um, and that I was being successful at. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't have the apartment or house to show my mother, but it was, you know, for, for years, I left college after a year and I told my family, I was like, I'm, I, I'm in love with music. I want to pursue music. 
It's my yes. passion. It's where my heart is. And for years, my mom, she's from South Boston, so she's got that South Boston accent. She's like, Brian, you need to go back to college. If you don't finish college, you, you're not going to, and you know, that's, that's the generation she grew up in. But it yeah. wasn't until, which meant nothing to me, but it wasn't until I signed my first deal and she could show her friends online, scroll through a record label roster and see a Blake Shelton and a Kelly Clarkson then show her son's face that finally, because of that, which, you know, accolades don't really mean anything to me, but for my mom to see that and, and show that to her friends, it was that moment where it was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to let go. I'm not going to push you to, and she saw the, the, for me, and it was the love and the passion and that the, the work, and I think you can relate is that, you know, you, you weren't even necessarily looking to get into this business. You kind of fell in it when you jumped in the warehouse and then you grew a desire to learn more and grow in that. And um, I think it's safe to say that your, your father saw that no matter what you got into, you were going to be successful because you had that, that entrepreneurial mentality. I think, I think that's right. Um, Brian, I, 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 you know, uh, being a parent myself today, um, this responsibility um, of making sure your kids are okay, it's, it's the biggest responsibility you'll ever take on in life. Yeah. So um, then, you know, your mom worried about you and why is she telling you to go back to school? Not because the school is the end all be all but because she knows that there's a security that comes with that. Yes. Yeah. And so she's really just saying, Hey, I want to make sure you're okay. Yes. Yeah. And, and I admire her for that. Yeah. Because that that's a, that's a great mother, right? Couldn't agree more. The thing I say about my dad. Yeah. He's a great father. He cared about his son. Yeah. And wanted to make sure that I was going to be okay. And, um, you know, many people, Brian, don't have the luxury of that, um, um, you know, that, that desire, that responsibility that comes of being a parent. So um, I'll, I'll say that, you know, you and I are very fortunate. Very fortunate. Uh, to, have, to have parents like that. Very, very fortunate. I love you, mom, by the way. What's up, guys? If you like what you're hearing today and want to dive deeper into the lobster and beer world with us, head over to our website, lobsterandbeer.com, to join our Patreon. You will gain access to exclusive video content, monthly giveaways, incredible discount codes from Get Main Lobster, opportunities to join us on air with our guests, and so much more. But that's not all. This season, one lucky member of our Patreon family will win a trip for two to come hang out with us in Phoenix. Flights and hotel included, courtesy of the homies at Get Main Lobster. We'll bring you out to some of our favorite breweries in town and, of course, eat some lobster rolls together. So don't miss out on this opportunity. Head over to lobsterandbeer.com to join our Patreon today. And now, back to the episode. I was going to say, do you find yourself kind of, you now as you being a, a parent, do you find yourself kind of having the similarities with your <laughs> father and how you raised them, or have you adjusted a little bit? Yeah, Alec, that's a great question. Um, you know, I have more than my parents had. So first of all, the rules change. 
Yeah. My children aren't blind. Um, they can see where we live. They can, you know, and, and by the way, I wasn't blind. I could see where we lived and what we had. So, um, you know, my mother yells at me all the time that I'm spoiling my children. And I say to her, you know, she says, I never gave you that. I never gave you those. I never did that. And, and, and I say to her, I, you never gave it to me because you couldn't. Yeah. And not, not that that's a bad thing, but, and I didn't ask for them because I knew you didn't have it, but you know, my children aren't blind. They can see what we have. And um, if I say no to them, I'm just being an asshole. <laughs> so you're a great you know, dad. You're the kind yeah. of dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen, you teach them respect. Um, you teach them what's right and wrong. Um, I, I don't think depriving them is teaching them a lesson. Um, uh, are the rules different? Well, the rules are just different because of uh, the financial position we're in versus what my parents were in. And yes, I think we all have to uh, learn this, you know, the new stresses that they have that we never had. Absolutely. You know, I, I don't I don't know how to deal with TikTok and uh, I don't I don't know how everybody has a fabulous life on Instagram and the pressure that comes with that. And, you know, the 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 they're gamers and spending the uh, six hours a day playing Fortnite. You know, that wasn't something that we did. Um, but. It's it's all very different. I'm I'm open to it all. Um, there is some foundational things that I learned from my parents, um, and certainly respect is is one of them. So that that won't change. The rest of it, the, you you got to write a new playbook every generation for how to parent. Yeah, I love that. But it just sounds like the basis of it all is is love and families first for you more than anything. Yeah, listen, they they got to be happy. And they got to have self-esteem and then they got to be happy. And like you said, going back, going back to the playbook and stuff, it's really like, yeah, you, an evolution. Again, you took what you, you saw from your parents and yeah. stuff and then you took And some people I feel like really miss that. So it's, it's really nice to be able to, you gotta be able to take what they have and evolve into the times and stuff. And I think that's the best for the kids. Yeah. Would you say, are, are they at the age now where they, they, you know, kind of recognize you know, where you've been, what you've done, and they, they look up to you in a sense? Um, you know, my wife and I, <clears throat> and she's in the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, in the education field. She couldn't care less about any of this. Yeah, I love that. Entertainment stuff. Um, we really went out of our way to um, not tell our children and not expose them um, to daddy's life. Yeah. Um, I never, I never wanted anybody to like them because of what I did. I love that. Absolutely. And I, I, I want, I want people, um, I want them to have friends for who they are and not who their father is and who is their father may or may not have access to. So, yeah. um, they know, but they know not to talk about it. And they, that's they more know. relevant now than ever. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. They, my daughter knows if I take her to a concert and we go backstage and we hang out with artists, uh, she's not allowed to post a thing. Yeah. And uh, she's not even allowed to go to school the next day and tell uh, friends what she did the night before. Oh, man, that's so cool, though, for her. And she actually she, knows not to do that, which is even more badass. Well, she's she can. Be, she, she ain't going to another concert after that. Yeah, so, <laughs> so she knows. She's playing it smart. She's going to yeah. know the industry, though. She's going to know exactly how to Absolutely. carry herself. So yeah. she's probably going to be a, a whatever she does, a dynamo in that, too. Yeah, see, I didn't I didn't have that access as a, as a younger kid, but what I was good at was sneaking into those positions. <laughs> And and finding my way backstage, and then you know, carry yourself, rolling with the punches yeah. at that point, and then learning how to carry myself. But I agree, man. The 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 accolades and awards, none of that stuff matters. I mean, I think there's something to say about the work ethic that that gets you to that point. And some people have the same or a more of a work ethic, and they never reach any sort of accolades. Of like that at all but more importantly it's 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 just building the foundation of love and and being you know a person with character and i think you know that's that's what i'm hearing you you speak of as as a father it's it's it has nothing to do with what you've accomplished in your life it's more of like you know i i present myself this way because i'm first and foremost you know, someone who has worked very hard, but I have a big heart and I, and I want everyone around me to, to, to love and be happy and support each other. That, that's a hundred percent right. And, you know, you, you have to be humble, man. Yeah. The, the, there's a, there's a blessing for everything that I have been able to achieve and what I have. These are blessings. This is not what was owed me. Yeah. And, and whatever I have been able to achieve, uh, yes, I've learned a lot of things along the way. But those were also blessings. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't want to be arrogant about any of it. Like, these are, these are all gifts that were given. You better learn to be humble in life. And this is very... You know, this is very difficult to teach people in the music business. Yeah. Very yeah, true. But I'm I'm very I'm very humble. I want my children to be humble. Um, I want them to understand that whatever uh, they are able to achieve, um, you know, that they have to thank God, Allah, uh, for the blessings that He gives. And um, none of this is owed to you. Last call. Oh. All right, man. Faisal, apparently they're kicking us out of this place. Okay, this is great. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. It was incredible, man. Before we go, I got one more question for you. Yes. If an autobiography was written about your life today, what would the title be? Why not me? <laughs> Why not me? I love that, man. Well, dude, thank you so much for joining us on Lots for the Beer. Ladies and gentlemen, Faisal Durrani. Absolutely. We love you, man. Love you too. Thank you so much for having me.